For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Here we go in three, two, one. What's up, y'all? Welcome to the Sports Medicine Broadcast, a podcast to promote and improve your practice as an athletic trainer. Have you ever been an athletic trainer in the college setting or with DME or with the clinical setting? Well, Kevin has been on all those, and then he's gone back to some of them too. And so Kevin Joyce is going to share how, why, when, where he made the decision to change settings in athletic training to hopefully encourage you to make the move that you need that's going to be best for you, your family, your life situation. So Kevin Joyce is the speaker for the podcast today. So again, sportsmedicinebroadcast.com slash Kevin, J-O-Y-C-E, Kevin Joyce. And joined always by my faithful friend, John Seco, doing all the hard work to get everybody lined up. Kevin, why don't you start us off with your story? Where did you start out as an athletic trainer? Um, kind of where, how long were you at each of those steps? And then bring us up to where you are currently. I started out uh, undergrad at Sacred Heart University up in uh, Fairfield, Connecticut. Graduated from there, went down to uh, United States Merchant Marine Academy. Uh, Division three school um, in the New York City area was there for a year as an internship. Um, left there after a year, went up to Elmira College in upstate New York as a one of those hated GAs that we all talk about now, but uh, worked there for two years. Um, left uh, and went to SUNY Plattsburgh up in the great north New York. Uh, we were 35 minutes from downtown Montreal was a nice spot to be. Uh, worked there for about five years. Um, left there, went down to SUNY New Paltz, made a jump to a head athletic trainer position. Probably did that a little too soon in retrospect for myself. Um, went and took a job over at Post University in Waterbury, Connecticut where I was the head strength and conditioning coach and the head athletic trainer. Um, stayed there for six years. Uh, and that's where I really got to experience what burnout is. Um, I showed up and I was only supposed to, be, I was supposed to be the head strength and conditioning coach and then the um, uh, head athletic trainer for their sprint football team. And all of a sudden it turned into okay, we're going to add men's lacrosse, so we're going to do that as well. Oh, by the way, we're going to add men's ice hockey, so you got that as well. So that was in, I was in the head strength and conditioning coach and the head athletic trainer for three collision sports, you know, traveling almost every weekend. You know, I had two young kids at home, It just and it just got to the point where I woke up every morning and said to myself, why am I doing this to myself? Why am I still doing this? So the situation arose um, back where I grew up on – Long Island, New York, to go and work with a DME manufacturer. And I thought, look, it couldn't be better. Set hours, hourly hourly pay. I know where, where I'm going. I have the weekends off and everything. Didn't realize when I took that job that my <laughs> sales territory would be Brooklyn, Queens, Nassau, Suffolk County on Long Island. So I'd be in almost Manhattan and then have to drive all the way across to the other side of Long Island and it was just wear and tear on the car. The hours on a day-to-day -day basis wasn't as great as I thought it would be. Um, 
one of my uh, one of my friends was working with a physical therapy company and offered me a position to work in the clinic just as a clinician helping with the, the PTs. Um, so I took that position, worked there for three years. Um, in the final year of my contract there, uh, ownership of the company changed and they realized that PTAs are more valuable than ATCs because PTAs can bill for their services and ATCs can't. So there was a lot of drop off in contracts and everything like that. Um, so I saw the writing on the wall. Uh, one of my old athletes is a head coach up here, up at uh, SUNY Oswego, where I am now, and reached out to me about their head athletic trainer position it had been left. They failed two searches. They just couldn't find the right fit. So I said, yeah, sure, I'll apply, whatever. And realized, you know, through the interview process and talking with everybody up here that I missed the collegiate setting. You know, I got to make decisions. I got to <laughs> guide the rehabs a little bit more than I was working in the, in the clinical setting. And, you know, I guess going away from the collegiate setting for as long as I did and then coming back to it kind of refired my interest in being an athletic trainer again at the collegiate setting. And to be honest, it's ever since coming back, I mean, even I got back here in August of 2019 and then what, six months later, the great COVID happened and we all got to experience what a collegiate athletic trainer is not for about a year, but you know, I wouldn't, I wouldn't trade it. I, I'm, I'm happy in my setting now and I'm, I'm glad to be back. It's a, a lot of changes, a lot of good changes there. Um, and a lot for us to, to kind of unpack and, and go through. So one of the things that you, you let off with saying was when you took that early head AT position, and in retrospect, not being a great move, it, you know, for me, that shows humility within that role. Uh, and a lot, uh, obviously, we always get humility at the end of the the, the session or at the end of uh, our lesson. I want to want to hear more about that. Why you feel like that wasn't a great move at the time, and um, you know what you learned from that move. Um. So when I. When I accepted that position, they hadn't had a head athletic trainer for about eight or so months. So it was kind of just piecemeal, kind of everybody just get by with what you can get by. They had two part-time assistant athletic trainers. Um, I had come from the, the position at SUNY New Paltz was unbelievable. I mean, basically you're the only thing in the area. So every doctor wants to work with you, every you know, business wants to help sponsor you, everything. You had all the resources at your disposal. I go down to New Poles, which is just outside. It's in the Hudson Valley, just outside New York City. And there's 18 other things going on in the area. You know, uh, some docs are like, eh, I'll fit you in when I can. So, you know, the humility to learn that, okay, we still have to work and bag. And, you know, I came in thinking, I know what I'm going to do. I came from this great program. I'm going to make every change possible and just go. And realizing that, you know, sometimes a sledgehammer is not what you need. Sometimes it's it's just a gentle pat, you know, and we've learned, I learned that quickly, you know, having, you know, battles with coaches, battles with administration, battles with local healthcare providers, just battle, battle, battle. I realized that I didn't have the answers. I realized I didn't know everything. I realized I didn't, you know, what works this quickly, what works at one place is not going to work at another place. And you need to be able to adjust on the fly and not be 
you know, in my youth, as stubborn as I was and as confrontational as I was. And, you know, no, I need it this way. So I'm going to have it this way. And I'm not giving, you know, a little bit of the, the pig headedness of me. But, you know, that's been, I think, beaten out of, for lack of a better term, beaten out of me just by, by all of this. You know, now it's, you know, I'm here and something happens, even with the whole COVID thing. You know, I sat back in a lot of these meetings with administrators and Department of Health and everything, CDC. And I didn't say anything for sometimes the first two, three meetings just to try and figure out where everybody was standing, where everything was. And it just helped kind of shape a different mindset that I have now. Yeah, I, I always love talking about my early years with a lot of humility. It's, I, I, I definitely identify with what you're saying there. You know, it's, it's my way of the highway. I'm, mm -hmm. I know everything because I'm 20, you know, four years old and... <laughs> oh man you're an idiot <laughs> i look back at it now i can graciously say that i was not the smartest man oh not at all no no it's still embarrassing sometimes to think about those things but yeah what a, what a great lesson to, mm -hmm. to to put you at where you're at now you know to be able to have that humility and, and to move forward so coming back to the collegiate setting can you expand on your thought process what what led you and and made you feel comfortable with this, the decision to come back to this setting? Um, I think it was a lot of just, you know, I was put in a position in, in the clinical setting at the, the physical therapy where it was a lot of the older PTs, more seasoned PTs were like, look, Kev, you've been doing this 20 years, whatever you want to do. You've rehabbed probably more ACLs than I've ever seen. Um, if you think this will work, go ahead, do it. I did find that some of the, just like we were just discussing, some of the younger PTs coming right out of school, well, this is what I know, I'm a PT, and therefore I'm better than an AT, and I've heard, I heard a lot of that, um, and it was fine, you know, like my humility lessons taught me just to sit back and go, okay, what you want, you know, that's fine, you know, and then trial by fire, you know, they, sometimes they learned, oh, well, Kev kind of knew what he was talking about, so we'll let him go ahead, and it just kind of got to the situation where I did enjoy working with a diverse population. I had pro athletes I was working with. I had high school collegiate. I had hip replacements, knee replacements. I had grandmas. I had grandpas. I had sons and daughters. I had everything you can think of. We had a one of the most unique ones. We had an eight-year-old with two ACL tears. So it was it was interesting. Um, but I think it just got to the point where I this was this was always my setting. I I felt comfortable here. I I, I can make my decisions and kind of guide things the way I want. And to be honest with you, in the collegiate setting, I do enjoy a little bit of this chaos. I enjoy a little bit of the unpredictability. I enjoy you know sometimes going into work and not knowing what I'll see. You know, uh, covering wrestling. You know, sitting in here taping basketball to get ready to go for their practice, and a wrestler comes in with two dislocated fingers, and I'm like, oh, okay, hold on. Let me fix this and then get back to this. You know, I enjoy that unpredictability and that rush. I don't like having, you know, I'm looking at my schedule. Okay, well, I know this person's coming in. I got to do this. I know this to think on the fly and kind of and, and play in game. And the other thing I missed too, in all honesty, was the evaluations. I missed the problem solving. I missed the creativeness of going, well, you have pain here. Well, why is that? You know, well, you're, you're negative for all these tests and going through the whole process. It just... I missed it. And 
I didn't realize that till I got up here on the interview and started having discussions with coaches and other staff and things like that, that this is, yeah, this is where I belong. Do you feel like long-term this is where you'll end up? This is where you'll stay? Yes. I mean, I enjoy the area. I enjoy the the staff that's here. Um, my kids have, <laughs> my kids have pretty much grown into the area here. You know, my one daughter plays hockey and she loves it. My youngest daughter plays soccer and she's loving it. She can't get enough of it. So the school systems here are great. You know, the family enjoys it. You know, it's just everything that needs to happen is, is happening. And I'm comfortable here. I like it. And, you know, this is, I have a great coaching staff I work with here. You know, everybody has their one or two coaches, but I can honestly say there's more coaches than not here that I can work with and that respect us and get along with us. And it's just a perfect, perfect scenario right now. Yeah, having that that network network is is important, and, and having that familiarity with everybody is uh, is tremendously important as as to your really your mental health, mm -hmm. you know, in that setting. So, you know, through the changes, you know, whenever we go through changes, there's always that hesitation, right? Like, what am I really looking for? What could change? Um, can you talk to a little bit of the hesitations that you had in the previous changes? Yeah, I mean, leaving from the collegiate setting to go into DME was, you know, it was basically the way I looked at it, it was an entire career change. You know, I wasn't, I can't tell you, I, I did zero athletic training skills. It was brace fitting, it was just casting, it was, you know, just things, just very monotonous checklist things. And it was... It was what I, I felt like it was what I needed at the time because being so burnt out on, on the on the athletic training being, you know, there were times when I was working 60, 70 days in a row without a day off. This way I knew I was getting a weekend off. You know, it was what I needed to kind of just reset myself. And after after a year or so of doing it, I realized, yeah, this is a decent job. Some people would some people love that job. And I would have been okay with that job, I think, but I just needed that, that challenge. I like a challenge and I wasn't getting it. Um, I'm always looking, you know, for that next piece to challenge, even here at Oswego, I'm always looking to add something. I'm always looking to, you know, add a provider. I'm looking at adding a, a, a new position. I'm looking at adding modalities and benefits for our athletes. I'm always looking at that next challenge and what it came to with, you know, the DME job was my biggest challenge was dealing with traffic <laughs> cars in front of me, you know, it was just, but it was, look, it was what I needed at that time to, to kind of put myself into perspective as that, yes, athletic training is what I want to do. I want to be an athletic trainer. I want to be with patients and rehabbing and evaluating and wound care and emergency management, you know, all our domains, that's what I want to be. And that's what I will be doing. You know, but it took that year to find it. Sometimes you have to leave something to know how much you want to get back to it. I mean, was it the uh, absence makes the heart grow fonder? Well, not being in a setting around athletes and teams and locker rooms and stuff like that made me realize that that's where I want to be. Yeah. It, you know, I, we heard it on our previous interview uh, and, and something that I've kind of experienced throughout this is that need to create, that, that need to create to, to drive the purpose of what you're doing helps keep you engaged. And I think that's kind of what you're talking to is 
you know, having that ability to, to constantly change and, and improve and uh, integrate something or, or create something new allows you to grow and feel more comfortable, which drives your decision to stay in that setting day to day. I agree. If, if anything becomes stagnant and anything becomes too monotonous, you're not going to challenge yourself. You know, I had a team doc I used to work with. He goes, the day I wake up and I feel like I don't want to see anybody else. I just want to just stay in bed or just want to stay in the house. I just want time to myself. And I get that feeling and I'm not excited to go and, and, and do what I have to do. That's the day I quit. And I got to that point when I was in, in Connecticut, I got to that point where I just would wake up in the morning and go, Jesus, I don't want to see another, I don't want to see another, another player. I don't want to see another locker room. I don't want to sit there and do injury reports. I don't want to sit there and do anything. I'm done. Like this is, I'm done. And it got me to that point. And, you know, obviously the fear of, oh God, what am I doing? Am I, am I ruining, you know, my chances to do anything? Am I making the wrong choices? Am I setting myself up for failure by doing this? Am I really qualified for this? You know, you have that fear, you have that, that doubt. But I think what happens, especially with athletic trainers is, look, we do a great job of being able to do a lot of things at once and being able to have our hands in a little different areas everywhere. And I think our tool set as a certified athletic trainer is such that we can expand ourselves into different settings. You know, we've seen it now with the military, industrial, rodeo. You know, I have a friend from college who worked NASCAR for a while. You know, it's it's what we do best is adapt. You know, COVID showed that athletic trainers can adapt and overcome. And, you know, not to sound too motivational, but I feel like, you know, listen to some of the podcasts, Jocko Willenick was speaking to me sometimes with things like that, <laughs> you know, of just, you know, always ready, always, always able, you know, and that's what I think athletic trainers are, you know, we are always ready for the next challenge. We're always ready for the next piece. How long were you at that uh, in Connecticut? You said six years, right? Yes. Okay. At what point did you say this is too much did you continue for like two years thinking i can't take this anymore no it was probably once my mind was made up my mind was made up it was probably two months tops two months from the time that i'm done until you'd made the change yeah uh well until i applied for the new position and you know and then so it would probably be four months from when i knew i was done and needed to do something else to when i started the job at dme all right. So talk about a few more of the, but if I do this, then I, something might happen, right? So the things that held you back from change, obviously you talk about you're married, you have two kids. That's a huge factor for me. I'm married. I have five kids. That's a huge factor on any sort of decision I make. So this is the, the second recording since we've adopted our two girls who so are officially the, the Jackson family of seven. So I know Long-time listeners have heard the story of foster care, adoption, biological kids, all that stuff. So I want to mention, throw that out there, mention that. So thanks, everybody, for joining me on that journey. But, Kevin, we're talking about you. What held you back from making the change? Well, I think at that point, some of it, too, was, is this going to be the right move to still provide for the family? You know, part of it is, you know, you have to look at cost of living, especially in where I'm from, you know, Connecticut, 
New England, Long Island, New York City area. You know, if you're not making a combined salary of 150 to 175,000, you're not making it. It's just not going to happen, you know, in those areas. And, you know, you look at it as, look, but what is the exchange? My mental health and well being versus, you know, so I got to live with my mom for a while, or, you know, we moved back in with my 85 year old mother, which was an entirely different podcast. We'll discuss that another time. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, those are the things that, but you look at and you say, look, I will sacrifice this for my mental and physical well-being and health. You know, I will sacrifice a couple extra dollars of spending money so that I know I can spend the weekend with my two girls and doing the sports they want. You know, even now, you know, we're in the collegiate thing. We're in crossover season now in the collegiate setting. You know, I'm working my tail off. I'm not going to lie. And I'm still able to you know, sneak out of here and go catch a, a soccer game, sneak out of here and go catch a hockey game with my daughter, you know, still able to do those things. And I think that what I've also learned through this is the prioritization. Look, just because something's going on here at the school, I don't have to be here. I can prioritize. I can say, look, it's cross country going on a recovery run. There's ice outside the athletic training room. The coach has my cell phone. He's also CPR first aid certified. I can leave. I can go and watch a game. I don't have to sit here. And I've learned that more through anything else. I've learned that, and it took, it took a while for me to get there, but I learned that the world goes on without you. You don't have to sit there and monitor the world. The world will go on without you. And you don't have to sit there and monitor every step an athlete takes sometimes they'll go on without you. You can leave and go watch a game. And that, you know, kid with the sore calves will still be fine. It's okay. You've taught them well enough. You've set them up for success, but you don't need to babysit them. All right. Hey, let's go back and I, I, you, you probably don't remember the exact words, but how did you break this to your wife? Hey, I'm done. This is, this is it. We're, we're leaving Connecticut. Um, Actually, I think it was her at that point that brought it up because it was the, you just look miserable. You look just like you're a zombie walking around. What is, what is the change you need? What is, a, what is it that has to happen to make you there? And at that point she recognized it and, you know, kind of motivated and pushed it. I, I, I was, it was in the back of my mind the whole time. But I think hearing those words of, if this is what we got to do, this is what you got to do, is what happened. And we were able to do it. I think, you know, many more challenges arose from that. Um, but I think it was what I needed. You know, we'll, we've all had those situations where you're kind of teetering on the edge and you just don't know, but then somebody gives you that little shove in the right direction. And I think that was just the shove in the right direction. You know, I had it in my mind for a couple of weeks that I don't know if I can, I'm, I'm just not looking forward to the start of a new year. I'm not looking forward to going through this again. She passed that comment to me and it was just, well, then this is what I'm thinking. And it was honestly just as simple as that. You know, I was hanging on by a thread. I could feel it. I just wasn't, 
getting the engagement from myself that I wanted for my for my job. And her comment of that just kind of pushed that edge, you know, and then she goes, well, if we're going to do this, let's move down to where we have more family to where there's, you know, you know, friends, family and, and a support system for us because we were away from everybody. I was like, absolutely, let's go do that. You know, and we did that. We went down to Long Island. Um, and it was, I think, what I needed, like I said before, at that time, at that place. It was the push, the motivation. But I'm the type of guy that once I make up my mind about something, my mind's made up and I'm going to do it. I'm going to dive in and go ahead. And I did at that point. You know, it was, all right, so this is a decision we want to make. Perfect. I pulled out my phone. I started looking at job postings. Oh, look. Don Joy's hiring on Long Island. Boom, apply. And within, you know, a couple of weeks, I had a phone interview. And within a, a month or two, I was offered a position. So what are some either recommendations from yourself or resources that you would recommend to somebody at that kind of tipping point, whether they're looking to make the change or go back or uh, whatever it is, what, what would your recommendation or, or if you have resources to provide them, what would you say? Um, I think one of the best things I did was I just spoke with other people that are in those positions. You know, one of our old, uh, one, an old head athletic trainer in the conference I was in when I was in Connecticut was actually working for, for Don Joy, the DME company at that point. So I called him up. I said, Hey, look, you know, I'm thinking about making this switch. What do you think? And he goes, well, and he gave me the pros and the cons. You know, when I was thinking of switching to go over into the, the clinical setting, I spoke with a couple people that, that I knew that were working in that setting. You know, somebody who used to be a head athletic trainer in the conference I'm in now is down there doing that job. And he said, look, it's great. Here, here are the benefits. Here are the pros. Here are the cons. This is what you're dealing You know, And you just have to sit there and have discussions, talk with people. Look, I don't know an athletic trainer that if you don't call them and say, hey, look, you know, I'm Kevin. I'm thinking about starting a job in pro hockey, you know. And you send an email to some of the guys in the, in the, in the hockey world, you send an email. If you want a job in baseball, you send an email to some of the guys in the baseball world who wouldn't at least give you the, the time of an email back. Hey, look, if you want to chat, I got some free time here. Give me a call. We can, we can discuss this. The, the, the athletic training community is, I think for the most part, we look out for each other as much as, as we can. And I think we don't want people in a position that they don't want to be in that would be detrimental to themselves, detrimental to the field, detrimental to the app, whatever you want to put it. And I think you can reach out and use your support network, but even sometimes a cold call will help, you know, just, Hey, I want to discuss this with you. I'm, I'm up for a position. You got a couple, you know, I'm a friend of so-and-so, you know, little connections like that. There's always somebody who knows somebody who will get you in touch and just do your research. Just don't jump in blindly. You know, there's always ways to get answers. And just like we do with an injury, there's always a way to do it. So we just jump in and do it and get the answers we need. Similar to the last podcast, you, the listener, if you're looking to change settings, you know, you, you obviously check out this one, check out the one with Joel. Uh, but if you want to have that conversation with somebody and you're having trouble connecting, reach out to me, like I said on the last one, reach out to Joel. Uh, hey, can you do an interview on uh, so-and-so about this setting and we'll do our best to reach out connect do that podcast have you write up the questions or join us and so as you're listening and considering changing settings consider what each of our guests has said through all this series through the wisdom obviously john has shared but let us help you 
make that connection to help you make that move so that you are not a zombie like Kevin was. So you're not a shell of a person. So you still have a passion if that's what you need. Sometimes it just sucks. Like the, the crossover season, like Kevin said, it just sucks. And you know that, but you know what, whenever I come in and I'd see those kids, Hey Jackson, and those kind of things, you know, what? it's all right. I'm doing good. I really, I really am. It's just some days suck. And then, like I said, five kids, I'm always tired. I just got five kids, right? There's somebody always awake. Somebody always needs something. And so just, okay, take that breath. This season is rough, but most of it's good. Or, Hey, I've got to, I've got to do something different. Let us help you. Let me, let Joel, let John, anybody to reach out and let us help you make that change. John, final thoughts or questions? No, I, I, this is great. I think, you know, a lot of times when people make that change of setting, they go from one setting to the next. And then uh, we, we hear a lot of those happy stories, but it's nice to hear that you've dabbled and then gone back to something that uh, you, you've, you've burnt out on, but then you, you understood, you knew that that was your passion. That's, that, that's what you wanted to go back to and to be able to, to make that jump back. Uh, and then, you know, to talk about the humility and all that too, is, is, is wonderful to hear. Uh, I think a lot of times if they, if people make a jump, they're hoping it's for the best. And if it's not, uh, it's a hard pill to swallow. They, they don't want to, uh, they don't want to admit that maybe that move was not the right move. Um, and that is difficult to say. So thank you for sharing that. No problem, guys. I'm always here to help. And, uh, you know, I, I just want to make sure that, you know, our profession and, and our person persons in the profession keep moving forward in the right direction. Kevin Joyce on Twitter. Uh, is, is that the best way to get a hold of you? Yeah, usually it's uh, K-A-Y-J-A-T-C. KJATC, or yep. you can you can actually search his name Kevin J O Y C E, or you know I just tweeted out something about this podcast, so you could also search mine if you're having that much trouble locating Kevin or John on Twitter, because John always says that's the best way to get a hold of him. Because if you're changing settings, you can't use your school email or your work email because it might change with your changing settings. So just real quick, I was up in your neck of the woods this summer. One of the things that I can kind of consider is I'm looking at changing settings or possibly changing settings. I took a four week vacation this summer with my wife and kids. Four weeks we were traveling the country and we went up to uh, Cincinnati and met up with the people at Hoist. So Hoist is a big, they're a supporter of the podcast. They've been for a long time. Uh, and it was just really cool to be able to go walk through their um, facility and you know get a like a free hat. And they just loaded us up with a whole, uh, I don't know, box of Hoist products. So the kids were all excited and, then they really had to pee later because that stuff hydrates really well. So if you're going to check out Hoist, um, use the code DSMB or if you're having trouble with that, then uh, reach out to me and I can connect you with the, with my people there. But consider also the opportunity cost. If I was working in a clinical setting, I'm probably not taking four weeks off to travel the country with my family. So I always got to see what works for you. And again, the first two guests so far talked about family. John will share his story probably way towards the end about his wife busting his balls, being the person saying you need to change about him doing it for his family. So we'll get to all that with John, but right now we're focusing on Kevin. So for Jeremy, Kevin, John Seiko, Sports Medicine Broadcast, Changing Settings. Again, this is sportsmedicinebroadcast.com slash Kevin Joyce, jo uh, Joyce, Kevin Joyce, which is K-E-V-I-N-J-O-Y-C-E in sportsmedicinebroadcast.com slash Kevin Joyce. And that'll have links, anything that we talked about here. So Kevin, John, thank you very much. And until next time, that is a wrap.
Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.